The Author Hangout, episode number 55. The way to do it is to actually be as visible as possible on the internet. Mm. And the way to do that is to just write as much as you can and get it published so that you're constantly putting new stuff in front of the reading public. Welcome to The Author Hangout, where we interview best-selling authors and experts in the book publishing industry to reveal the tips and advice you need to succeed as an author in today's publishing landscape. Enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Sean Manaher. Welcome to another episode of The Author Hangout, where authors like you learn how to sell more books through the lessons, experiences, and wisdom from their fellow authors. She's a former accountant turned full-time psychology suspense author who took the plunge into indie publishing after an an impending milestone birthday galvanized her into action. To date, she has several popular titles to her credit, including His Kidnapper's Shoes, Guilty Innocence, and The Second Captive. To inspire other budding writers hoping to pen their first book, she also wrote the detailed guide, Write Your Novel, From Getting Started to First Draft. Please welcome a successful British novelist who put decades of procrastination behind her to follow her dream, Maggie James. Maggie, thanks for joining me on The Author Hangout. You're welcome, Sean. It's my pleasure. Good to be here. Absolutely. Yeah, and Maggie, why don't we get things started here, and we always love to hear this, but talk to me about the story and the build-up of you becoming an author. Yeah, fine. Okay, then, Sean. Um, it was always my dream as a little girl to be an author. When I, when I was a little girl, all I did was write stories. I dreamt of being a novelist, and I never doubted that when I grew up, that's what would happen. Unfortunately, it didn't turn out that way. Um, mm. I, as I mentioned to you, I let decades go by before I actually did anything. The truth was, Sean, I was actually scared. I was scared of putting myself out there, scared of taking a risk. I wanted to write. I wanted it so badly, but I was just very, very scared that it wouldn't be successful. Hence, I found myself approaching my 50th birthday at a bit of a crossroads in my life, and something just snapped. I, mm. I thought to myself, this is enough. I've got to do something about this. So... I'm kind of an all or nothing kind of gal. <laughs> I gave up my job, went off traveling for, for a year with the aim of coming back with a published novel. Um, not a published novel, sorry, a written novel under my belt. And that more or less is what happened. I set off to go traveling. I spent 10 months in South America. Whilst I was there, I spent quite a few months in Bolivia and I actually knuckled under and actually wrote the first draft of his kidnapper shoes. And that was a mm. very emotional time for me, I can tell you. What's going on there? Tell me about that emotional, the, the emotion of getting that first draft done. I think for me it was a culmination, as I said, of decades of desperately wanting to be a novelist, um, being in a comfortable rut with my life. I had a good life, but it wasn't what I wanted. And mm. I realized I was approaching 50, and I just thought, I cannot let this, this birthday go by without having written a novel. It just, uh, just became an unthinkable thought for me. So... That was in December. I was in Bolivia. I decided to put down some roots and stay in the little town where I was and just write every day until my novel was finished. And that's more or less what happened. I started at the end of December and by the end of February, I had a very long rambling draft. <laughs> and I yeah. you, it made me so happy. I burst into tears as I wrote the final words. Oh, my goodness. 
That is incredible. And and with that, Maggie, as a young girl, like, did you, what did that dream of becoming an author look like? Could you, like, did you visualize it or what was that early dream? I did, but I think that was part of the reason I procrastinated for so long. I was, I had totally unrealistic dreams. Like, Mm. it can be a bit all or nothing. So for me, unless I won the Nobel Prize for Literature, it wasn't being an author. (laughs) And with hindsight, I mean, I just laugh at that now. Yeah, so yeah. absolutely ridiculous. But as a as a teenager, as a young woman, that's the kind of black and white thinking I had, and to a large extent, that helped to hang, to keep me back. You know, to stop me starting getting started because it was such a mammoth task. I had to write, you know, the best novel ever written, or it wasn't worth writing. And I think mm. I had to get over myself. Basically, I had to get past that nonsense. I mean, nonsense is the right word. And actually yeah. just say, I'm going to write. I've always wanted to be a novelist, so I should get on and write a novel. And if it doesn't win the Nobel Prize for Literature, so what? You know, I mean, I, mm. I do find that funny now, but that did hold me. Sure. Perfect. Absolutely. Yeah. And, that's and, a- and with that, Maggie, you've obviously you've continued. You continue to write. So why don't you share with us either, you know, your other books, talk to us a little bit about those, or a, a new project that you're working on. Yeah, sure. I'm, I can do a little bit of both, really. If I share with me my, my latest product, project, yeah. um, what I've decided to do is to branch away from novels. And I'm actually going to write a novella, which is a short novel. It's going to mm-hmm. be about thirty-five to 40,000 words long. And I'm actually going to make that free on my website, on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, across all the sales platforms. In a sense, it's going to be like a business card for me so that people mm. can get a sample of my writing for the flavor of my books without having to invest any money. Um, I think that's something that many budding authors struggle with. The, the, they struggle with how to make themselves visible because there are so many books available on Amazon. And this is a good way, I think, of doing it. Um, I'm going to write this short novella so that people can sample my books. Obviously, there'll be links inside the novella to my other ones. And they can just get a flavor of who Maggie James is, what my writing is like, that kind of thing. And, yeah, I'm hoping that will be a good marketing tool for me. It's certainly good for other authors. Yeah, and and Maggie, with that 30,000 to 40,000 words, how long is that going to take for you to kind of take that idea, write it, and then get it published and whatnot? What's the time frame for that? Well, I finished writing the first draft this morning, actually, by coincidence. Nice. Yeah, as my first drafts always are, it's it's a mess. I always spend a lot longer on the editing than the writing. But to do that, it took me about... I do about 3,000 words a day, so it took me about 12 days to actually write the first draft. I will now put it, I'm going to put it aside for a while to let my brain go cold on it so that when I come back to it, I can actually see it with a, a more critical eye. I estimate it probably take me about a month to do the editing, which is obviously a lot shorter than if I was writing a full-length novel of, say, 90 to 100,000 words. That usually takes me about three months to edit. So I'm hoping I'll get the novella actually published on Amazon sometime next month, sometime in August. Excellent. And will we be seeing a Write Your Novella uh, book coming out from you on how to help people to write novellas? I don't think so, <laughs> no, Sean, because I think apart from the word length, the it's basically the same thing. So I think I've covered that in the book I have just written, you know, Write Your Novel. I think people would like to write a novella it's just a case of you know doing the same thing but in shorter format and with that why don't you give us some high level and and one nugget out of your book write your novel 
Um, I would say the main thing is to actually find the confidence to start. The book is aimed at people who, like me, want to write a novel but weren't able to get going. So the focus is very much on finding the confidence, finding the support you'll need um, in order to get going. Um, once, once I think people break down those barriers in their minds, in the same way I did, they can actually get started. But it is simply a matter of getting the confidence, telling yourself that you can do it, preparing yourself for... Um, it's a marathon, not a sprint. You have to be in it for mm -hmm. the fall because you don't write a novel overnight. But I think it's just really believe in yourself is the nugget of message I would say is in that book. You know, if you want to write a novel, you can do it, provided you believe in yourself. And Maggie, were there other people around you that helped you to get over this? Or was this just an internal conversation that you had, which ultimately allowed you to kind of get over everything and move forward? Or were there other people involved? No, not at all, Sean. It's very much, as you say, a solo effort. Because when I left to go off traveling, not one person in the world knew that I intended to come back with a written novel. It's something I wow. keep very, very much to myself. Um, in some ways, I can be a very private person. And it's actually quite hard telling people you want to write a novel because, believe me, a lot of people will poo-poo the idea. They'll mm. rain on your parade. And, that again, that's something I cover in my book, Write Your Novel. You have to be prepared for the sometimes negative reactions around you. So it's very much a secret I hugged to myself. And I didn't tell anyone until I was ready to go and get, get published on Amazon. So, yeah, it's a Excellent. solo endeavor. Well, thank you, Maggie, for sharing your story. Really do appreciate it. And Maggie, obviously, writing, publishing, and, and marketing a book is filled with challenges and struggles and trials. So can you tell us a time that you struggled as an author? And you know, what was that struggle, and how did you overcome it? I think the most recent struggle I had was at the end of last year, I, I went off traveling. I'm a bit of a travelaholic, as you probably gathered. <laughs> I went off traveling for two months to Asia, and I intended to actually write my book, Write Your Novel, whilst I was away, or at least get going on, on the novella, one of the two. And I plumped for the fact I was going to come back with a finished novella. And for the first time, writer's block seemed to hit me. I don't know what it was, mm. but... I suspect it was because I was actually drained from writing and publishing my fourth novel in a relatively short space of time. Anyway, I found myself really blocked. I found myself struggling for ideas. I couldn't, I couldn't think of a plot I wanted to write about. And that really took me by surprise because that mm. was the first time that had happened. And I was, I was very much disheartened by that because I felt like I was losing my writing voice. I kind of felt mm. perhaps I've reached, uh, perhaps I've done all that I can do. I've written four novels, perhaps that's it, perhaps I don't have another one in me. And that was kind of a down moment for me. And the way I sorted it was to actually divert and to write my non-fiction book. And that's, mm. they say a change is as good as a rest. And, you know, I found that was true. By diverting to non-fiction, I actually recovered my muse that way for two reasons, I think. One, because I was putting aside the, the fiction writing for a while and letting it rest mm -hmm. and giving my brain a rest. But also because I found myself in the position that I was having to inspire newbie novelists. And I can, hmm. through that, I managed to recover my muse because by writing about how wonderful it is to write a novel and, you know, encouraging other people, I encouraged myself along the way. So I'm happy to report that that glitch in my writing career is now over. And as I said, I've actually just finished my, my first novella that I've written. 
And Maggie, that is such a good lesson to share, and I, I think a lot of people are going to appreciate that in whatever form of content creation that they're into. I know that some listeners that are listening in, they love to do videos, and some people, like myself, love to do podcasts, but there does come a point where you hit a, a roadblock and you're like, I don't have another word to say, to write, to a video to do, and just this idea of diverting your attention to something else, it really is interesting how that helped you to move past it. it did you feel like, did you feel that um, that block being removed as like a, a physical tangible thing? Or was it just one day you decided, well, let's try again and it just opened up? I think it happened gradually over the writing of my nonfiction book. As I put mm. together, I could feel the blocks lifting away from me. And I, mm. I had this sense that once I was finished with that, then I would be able to go back to, to writing fiction again. And it wasn't a case that I didn't have any ideas. Um, yeah. Like many novelists, you know, I keep a list of ideas as and when they strike. <laughs> I've, got, I've got myself about 50 ideas on that list, so it wasn't that yeah. the ideas. I just think my brain was tired. It was, a, it was a hard slog getting my fourth novel, The Second Captive, ready and published before I went off travelling. And I just think it was as simple as that. I, I was tired. I needed a break. Um, and that was a good lesson, actually. You know, I don't think you can be, you know, creative to order every minute of every day. You have to give your, your brain a break at times. And that's all I needed. And with that, Maggie, you now written, published several books, and you're learning and have learned what it takes to market your book. So I know we hear lots of different marketing tactics, and there are probably a number of things that you're doing that work very well. So why don't you share with us just one marketing tactic, what it is, and then tell us how you apply that and how it's working for you. I'd say it's a, it's a cliche, and a lot of writers get advices but the way to do it is to actually be as visible as possible on the internet mm. and the way to do that is to just write as much as you can and get it published so that you you're constantly putting new stuff in front in front of a reading public and I don't think there's any any better way of marketing than actually writing it's a kind of chicken and egg thing really mm -hmm. yeah um, I mean I've gone down several dead ends when it comes to marketing and spent money on this and that and it didn't work and I think there's only there's only three ways to do it really one is to write more so you're constantly putting new new stuff onto the market um, which is authors is what we should be doing anyway the second is to get as many good reviews as you can um, to be to be honest to some extent that come, tends to come organically you know as you put more stuff onto the market you become more visible you get more reviews anyway. It's kind of like a snowballing thing. And yeah. the third thing is to actually grow your email list. Um, again, that's a cliche. All authors get advised that, but it's very true because let's face it, you know, Amazon or whatever could do something tomorrow which would you know, change <laughs> the market. I mean, they've made several well-known changes recently which have either annoyed or delighted authors. So it's important not to be dependent on any one sales platform, gigantic as Amazon is, you need to gather your own email list and to get, get that presence via website. And Maggie, we love talking about growing your email list. And at the same time, we like to get very practical and actionable. So I, I do want to explore this write more thing, but I do want to quickly hit this grow your email list. Sure. So can you give us like the path or the things that you've done to specifically grow your list? 
I am, I'm very active on social media and that's helped. I mean, I'm, I'm not shy about asking for people directly to join my email list. I mean, I usually have tweets going on throughout the weeks just saying to people, you know, if you would like to, if you enjoy psychological suspense novels, you know, why not join my email list? Simple as mm. that, really. And I found that worked as well. That's also got my Facebook page, quite a few likes as well. So it takes seconds to do, but it does work. I think, to be honest, the tactic I'm about to put into place with the novella is going to be the best way to, to grow my email list even further. Because it's been growing nicely and steadily, but I'm anticipating yeah. this will make quite a jump in it. Because the novella will be free across all sales platforms, and there will be a link inside that book saying, if you join my email list, you will actually get one, another one of my novels completely free. So it's making quite a good offer to readers of my genre that, you know, if they join my list, they will actually get discounts off of future books, but they'll also receive a free novel as well. I know other authors have had quite a lot of success with that. So I think it's important to be patient, though, Sean. Um, success as a novelist doesn't come about overnight. It's something that you've got to be prepared to work at. Um, it just it grows organically, but it does take time. It really does. And are you going to treat your novella like any other book launch where you have a, a system of, of releasing that, uh, letting people know and, and kind of get, get people um, excited about it? Or is it just going to be a separate, different kind of launch? No, I think broadly speaking, I will launch in much the same way as I've done, done the other books. I've already started you know getting people interested in the book i've mm-hmm. i've got the cover all sorted so once you've got the cover sorted it's easy to sort of market on facebook and twitter because you've got something visible that people can look at so i've already been on social media posting the cover talking about a brief synopsis of the book's contents things like that getting people interested obviously i will email my list of my website list and let them know the book's available but yeah, broadly speaking, I'll be I'll launching it in the same way as I've done the other ones. Well, Maggie, the next question that I have is a, is a pretty big one, and it kind of allows you to to look back at all the writing you've done, all the publishing, all the marketing you've done, and you say, looking back, if you were to start all over again today as a self-published author. What three things would you tell yourself to do to help you to sell more books? Oh, definitely. I would have, if with hindsight, I would have established my author platform much more, much more quickly than I did. I did the classic thing that I think many novelists do. I thought, well, writing the novel is the first big thing and then worry about marketing it later. And with hindsight, I see now that that wasn't a good idea because I plunged straight into the writing without really having a clue about plotting, you know, how to edit my work, any of I just was so keen to get to the writing, which I think is yeah. understandable. Um, yeah, absolutely. But now I think with hindsight, I would have been much more structured with the marketing side of things. I'd have done a lot more reading up about marketing. I would have established my website. I'd have got going on that kind of thing, being much more polished and professional on that side of things instead of just rambling along and writing a novel and then finding out how to market and sell it. That's the wrong, wrong way around, I think. Mm-hmm. I certainly think I'd have been much more, the second thing is I'd have been much more organized when it came to the actual writing because I just sat down, opened up Microsoft Word and started typing. And these <laughs> days I'm far more organized. I don't use Word anymore. I'm, I plan my novels in a lot more depth and detail. And with hindsight, again, I should have 
I should have learned more about how to actually structure a novel and, and the way to go about things, really. Um, as for the third thing, I think I'd have just... I would have liked to be more aware of, of how people react when you tell them they're, that you're a novelist, to be honest. Um, mm. kind of, I've kind of found it a little bit difficult to kind of ease into the role, simply because other people's perceptions can be a bit... Um, well, a bit wacky at times, to be honest. <laughs> So with hindsight, I think I'd have, I'd have liked to have been a little more aware of what it actually means on the day-to-day -day level to be a novelist. It's, it's wonderful, but I guess I was kind of unprepared for it all, really. Yeah. And then with that, Maggie, you mentioned that your second point was much more organized in the actual writing. You don't use Word anymore. What are some of the tools that you're using in that area? Um, the main tool I've used to replace Word is a piece of software that's dedicated for novelists, well not just novelists, writers, it's called Scrivener and it's actually mm. tailored for actually writing long fiction in a way that Microsoft Word just isn't and it, it, is, it does have a reputation for being the best of its kind on the market and I think that's utterly deserved. It makes writing a novel much, much easier, um, planning it. And it also makes publishing a lot easier because I can take my manuscript and compile it straight into a Kindle format ready to upload to Amazon. So I wish I'd known about Scrivener and used it a lot earlier than I actually did. It does, it does what it says on the tin, as we say in here in the UK. You know, it helps writing a novel, makes it really easy. And as you kind of pivoting back to this third area that you focused in, you talk about that you would have loved to know what the day-to-day -day of being a, a publisher or an author or doing this as your career. So what does that look like? What's a typical day or week look like for you? Um, again, I, I try to be as organized as possible. Despite the fact I'm a night owl, I'm a lot more productive in the morning. So mornings are when I do my writing. Either I'm, if I'm actually writing or perhaps I might be doing the plotting or the editing processes, but morning are devoted to pure writing tasks. And in the afternoon, that's when I like to do like the, the other kind of thing, the marketing activities, the social media, that kind of thing. Because by that time of the day, my, pro my productive and my creative brain seems to have, well, taken a hike, really. <laughs> <laughs> and I've heard others authors say the same, that for them, mornings are the better times. Um, I'm sure not all authors are that way, but that's how I work, work it for me. I think before I became a novelist, I kind of, I didn't really see it that way. I kind of thought, I'd, you know, I'd just sit and write all day. And, you know, I certainly can't do that. And there's also the fact that being a novelist, I am actually running a business. Um, so I have to be business orientated, which includes doing marketing, finance, all that kind of stuff. So it's turned out to be a lot more organized and structured than I first envisaged um, before I started. I just kind of thought I would write all day. And of course, it isn't like that. It can't be. Fantastic. Maggie, I so appreciate you uh, taking the time to tell us your story and give us these tips and ideas of what you've done. Now, as we close this episode out of the Author Hangout, why don't you share with us how people can connect with you and then we'll say goodbye. Yeah, sure. Um, I have a website. It's www.maggiejamesfiction.com. Um, you can find all my contact details on there. I'm very active on social media, so if anyone would like to connect with me on Facebook or Twitter or Google+, if you go to www.maggiejamesfiction.com, you can connect with, with me there. And there's also a contact form as well. 
Excellent. And thank you, Maggie. Really do appreciate this. And thanks for being part of the Author Hangout. So your insights, lessons, and books will be shared at theauthorhangout.com. Thanks again, Maggie. Thank you very much, Sean. And thank you to our loyal listeners of the Author Hangout, powered by Book Marketing Tools. Thank you for taking time to listen in. We'll see you on the next episode of the Author Hangout. Thanks for listening to The Author Hangout. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or Stitcher to get the new episodes delivered directly to your device. Watch the video from this episode and get the transcript at theauthorhangout.com. The Author Hangout is brought to you by bookmarketingtools.com. As an author, there is nothing like putting the finishing touches on your book and getting it ready to release to the world. Writing a book is no small accomplishment, and you're probably eager to start receiving some feedback in the form of reviews. So how do you go about getting reviews for your ebook? Well, Book Marketing Tools has a free guide to answer that question, which can be downloaded today at theauthorhangout.com slash review guide. And in this guide, we will talk about everything you need to do in order to get reviews through the pre and post publication of your ebook. And like our ultimate author checklist, we provide you a clear checklist of what you need to do to get more reviews. So if you need reviews for your book and are struggling to figure out how to get them, then go to the authorhangout.com slash review guide and download the guide getting reviews for your ebook today.